First, sir, I kind of worried, but okay, we're good. All right, so let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for your word. As your word brings us truth and revelation, Lord, let me decrease, allow your spirit increase in this place, Lord God, and let your spirit speak through me, and let your words be a lighthouse to our people, to this community, to this city. Lord, we need you more than ever right now, Lord God. We need more willing people to be servants for you. I say all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, one year ago, I was challenged to live differently than others. The conversation between me and my mentor, he asked me a question while I was going through a transition of not having a job and being angry about the things that were happening in my life. I wasn't in the right state of mind while he was eating his pancakes while we was at IHOPs. He was happy with his blueberry pancakes in front of him. Then he stopped eating, and he asked me a question. He said, when are you going to live differently? And I looked up, and I said, um, I think I am, man. Let's see, I'm married, I got kids, and I'm Christian. I'm good. And he said, no, nah, no. Nah. He said, there are some things that you have to get rid of to live in holiness. And I thought about it again. I said, I'm, I'm kind of there already, so I'm, I'm good. I'm there. But then he said, no, I'm, I want to push you in a different direction. Then he leads me to Ephesians 4, and Paul gives us some simple instructions. But looking deeper into the scripture is more of a higher calling. Tell your neighbor, higher calling. So my question is to you, are we living differently or are we living the same? The background of Ephesians it was, it was, is a letter that was written by Apostle Paul during his imprisonment in Rome. During that time, missionaries would visit him, and one, missionary, one minister visited him, and he delivered this letter to the church. The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about unity, salvation according to God's purpose. It talks about the unity of the body of Christ in one body, one spirit, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's Ephesians 4, 6, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Also, Paul outlines the fivefold ministry which is the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Like I said in the first service, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 need to be talked about and revisited in the church. So let's dive into Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, insist it on in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the in their fertile thinking, they are darkening in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of the heart. Having lost all sensitivity, and they have given themselves to over sensuality as so to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. My first point is self-serving. Tell your neighbor, I am not self-serving. 
You don't want to be self-serving. Self-serving is when people only care about themselves and there is nothing else on their mind besides them. Their desire is about things. There is no room for others. And there are also no room for love. There will always be people who only care about themselves and not care about others. Who think life evolves around them and they will always be seeking their own agenda. This is not God's plan for anyone's life. But of course we know God gives us a choice. And some people choose to be self-serving. As Ephesians 17 through 19 outline. But also, I, I believe when Paul was writing this, I don't think he was just writing this like, well, I'm going to write, I'm going to tell them. No, I, I kind of believe that he was in a mold where, because in verse 17, he said, I insisted on the Lord. It wasn't like, well, I'm just going to tell you this. And I really, no, it's a, I kind of demand you want you to do it and put it on the Lord because this is how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to turn away and, most, and no longer live like the Gentiles do. Then he lead us into verse 20. Paul talks about how God and how we were created in his image. Verse 20. However, that is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in his accordance with the truth. And that is in Jesus. You were taught in regard to to your former way of, of life and put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in a new attitude of your mind. Verse 24. To put on your new self, created to be like God in truth and, I'm sorry, in, in truth, righteousness, and holiness. But not only that, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when God says who we are, verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, God said, then let make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, our old and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind's own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So how many times do a person, a pastor, a leader, or a mom and dad say you was creating God's image? If you, if you really think about it, the image was like four or five times in Genesis. We was created in God's image. So we are created to live differently. Point number two, himself. Tell your neighbor, I love me. Tell your neighbor, I love God himself. Oh, y'all, yeah, I guess y'all don't love God that much. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I love God himself. Love there we go. There we go. As Christians, we will learn that Jesus is the truth, is the way, the truth, and the light. 
And with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he leads us away from our old self so we can walk in righteousness and holiness. We are supposed to be different so we can be the bright light for others. Not only not to make ourselves higher, but to make God greater through us. The ultimate goal of being a Christian, of course, to make disciples, but to glorify him in every situation that we go through. Every situation that we go through. So the unsaved can say, hey, this person may have lost everything or this person going through something, but they are still keeping their faith because we were what? Created in his image. They can call us crazy. Some people have called me crazy before. Some of my friends have called me crazy. They say, man, you crazy for following him. But I say, I love me some God, though. Because at, at one point in my I was tired of living for myself. And the Gentiles or the unsaved should be tired of living for themselves. They want to live for something greater. As Christians, we are taught differently. We're supposed to walk differently. We are supposed to be different. That's very important. And then Apostle Paul gives us some practical things we should do in verse 25 through 32, which some of these things are really, really deep in my heart, and I need to start following them. And I do, besides one. But we're going to talk about that. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our neighbor, for we are all one, we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work and put some things, put something useful with their hands. So it may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their wills, they may benefit those who listen. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. For whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. This is the guarantee that God gives us. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And verse 32, my favorite. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, such as Christ forgave you. This leads me to point number three, selfless. Tell your neighbor, I am selfless. Jesus was selfless because he died on the cross for our sins. But he gave us the power to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free. From the chains that we may develop and put on ourselves. He also gives us the opportunity to be disciples of Christ. As the body of Christ, we should be encouraging instead of tearing down. We should be walking 
with our back straight, our head held up high in every adversity. When somebody has wronged you, you should forgive that person because we must put God's word into practice. I must say that again. When somebody has wronged you, and trust me, somebody has wronged you, and know it's hard to forgive. I know in my personal transition one year ago when I was unemployed, it was, it was hard for me to forgive people. It was, it was even harder for me to trust people. So I had to take a step back. Because technically, I supposed to have got ordained this summer. If I took a step back, God removed me from a place and put me in a new place. My transition, when I was going through my transition, I was so angry at the... At like, why am I unemployed? I haven't been unemployed in a very long time. I was still coaching football, but that stipend didn't come to November. So I'm thinking, man, I can't wait in November to get, get like $800. I need money now. You know the commercial? I need money now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here, I hop like, man, you, who's going to pay for this? You and me, because I don't got no money so, and, and, that's, you know, and that's what it was. That was the transition. Forgiving, I had to forgive. I had to forgive and move on. I ain't say forgive and stay. Forgive and move on. And that's what I did. I forgave and I moved on. And I also learning that I was being the best Christian, but I could not escape the foothold that allowed the devil to creep in. So you can do your best. You can do everything you possibly can. But as soon as something hits you and God, and God challenges you and makes you uncomfortable, that's when you know your faith is strengthened. My takeaways. You must realize that Brokenness is not weakness, it's strength. Because God can heal our brokenness, he can also give us strength. The second takeaway is asking for help isn't charity. I had to learn that because I don't ask for help. I, bet, I know, you know, my mom's here and I was calling my mom. You know, I was like, Mom, uh, we're going to move back to Georgia because I don't got no job. And she was like, no, you ain't, boy. I don't got no room for you. Okay. You know, so 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 pretty much I'm very independent. So I'm I'm trying to like, you know, I I a, I don't like free meals. I love to eat, but I don't like free meals. I like paying people meals. So asking for help, like I, I felt like a charity case. But it was more hope. I was I knew that Jesus was my hope. Then I had to learn that. When I'm asking for something, I'm not praying in vain. I'm praying in victory. Even when, and you know, I was, unemplo- I was only unemployed for two months. But it felt like eternity because I've never been unemployed. So, yeah, it was like, oh, um, yeah, two months, no money, what? 
and, and this and this is my thing. This is my last point. When God removes self, it is not pain, it's joy. And what I mean by that is when we want to remove something, we're naturally attached to it. I'm, I'm, I'm attached to a lot of things. And the main thing I learned during this transition that I was attached to my income. Because I never went I never went without having a monthly paycheck. But I had to understand that it was important to see that my income, my job wasn't my source. God was my source. And that was the higher calling that he was calling me. Was that, yeah, you working, you doing all these things, but what are you doing here? What are you doing in church? What are you doing for your family? Because my mentor told me, he said, I need you to write everything down. Everything down, okay? I was only, I was only on the job for one year, then I got let go. So he said, write everything down from that one year to what happened. So I said, okay, I wrote everything down, and I'm going through it. So the next meeting, you know, um, apparently he liked pancakes, so we had hop again. <laughs> I was like, man, can we go to Scramble or something, man? Like, I'm tired of eating, I'm tired of eating pancakes, you know, eating, you know, but... He said, no, I like these blueberry pancakes for some odd reason. So I wrote everything down, and he went through the list, and I went through the list. We went through the list together, and he said, you wasn't home for six months out of the year. And I looked down, and I said, that's true. Then he said, now you see what God is trying to take you to. Because even though I lost that income, I was losing more than I did. I, I was losing my family. I was losing coming to church. I was, I was counseling preaching engagements because I had to do this, this specific job because I wanted to be improved. I wanted to be like them. But no, God said he wants you to be different. Even in the Christian world, you may have people who are self-serving, looking for their own agenda. But when God removes something, he replaces it with joy, and there's nothing like God's joy. And that's what I had to learn. The transition or living differently than others, we must realize that there's nothing on this earth that's worth losing. Like things, clothes, money, cars, house. Because those things are temporary. But when you lose your wife or your kids going down the wrong path, that's eternal. That's very internal. Things are not eternal. And I had, to, I had to understand that, and I really had to learn that. So, brokenness is not weakness. It's strength. Charity, asking for help isn't charity, it's hope. When God removes self, it's not pain, it's joy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Thank you, Father, just thank you for your continued love and grace upon us. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the refreshing, and thank you for the transition. Through the transition, I hope people are made whole and made new through you. Let us continue to love people, to love our community, to love the people that we work with, to love the people that we serve with. Let us not be self-serving. Let us be selfless. Let us love you. And let us continue just to serve. I say all these things in Jesus' name. And let the church say, Amen. 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 Do you think, Jermaine, for sharing with us this morning? Yeah, I hope you're like grabbing onto that. I mean, take, that's important for us to hear this morning that uh, why would we want to come to Christ and say, you know, he's my Lord and my Savior of my life and I, I want to live for him and then not live differently and then live the same. Uh, there's so much more he wants to do in our life. And so thank you, Jamal, for that uh, reminder this morning. Well, if you're not